Hey everybody, good evening. This is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. And don't you hate it when the camera goes kaput? But uh, anyway, that's not your problem. Happy Veterans Day to all of my brothers and sisters in arms. It is a fantastic day. There was a time in Vietnam that we forgot to welcome home our veterans. So to all our Vietnam veterans, welcome home. And we weren't too nice to some of our Iraqi war veterans, the first Iraqi war. And things kind of changed in OIF and OEF. And I want to say thank you to America for actually respecting our veterans and showing them the love that they deserve. So hats off to all of you and a crisp salute to our nation's veterans. And it uh, seems like America's learning to be a little nicer to our military. Now, if we could just teach them not to vote for Democrats. Okay, joke, little humor, just a little bit of humor. We're just trying to keep it alive here. So because we are all about having a good time and joking, I will do this instead. What do you call the VA in China? That's the Veterans Hospital, the VA. What do you call the VA in China? It's simple. Vachina. You know, vagina. Vachina? It's not really funny at all. I wonder if I should record this part again. See, folks, females have vaginas and boys have... No? Okay. All right. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. Well, considering that that joke fell flat on its face, that's okay. Let's hope the show goes over a little... A little more effectively. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. What is this? Well, I'll tell you in a quick second. But first, please like, subscribe, and share. Down in the lower right-hand corner, you are going to see a little red envelope if you're on YouTube. That will get you to subscribe, and you can throw a like my way. Add some comments. Join the conversation. And if you are on Facebook or any other platform, please, especially Parler, throw me a like and a share. I need some help on Parler. It's starting off slow. But I did get certified today, which is really important. Anyway, what are we going to talk about today? Well, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about. We always talk about a lot of things. But the big thing that I've been getting is, Matt, I don't understand what's going on with the Electoral College. What happens after this? America is in the dark. And my good buddy Lance, even though I've talked about it on my show many times, and Lance has watched everyone, he showed me this guy's video and was like, look at what this guy did. Is he, is he full of it? And I'm like, dude, it's the same stuff that I said. No, he's not full of it. He's a genius. And he's just not even close to as good looking as I am. What a jerk. No, I'm kidding. He does have like 30,000 likes on this video. And I'm, a, I'm feeling a little emasculated here. And uh, But that's okay. We're going to watch this. But first, we need to understand a few things. The peaceful transfer of power. Now, the peaceful transfer of power has been going on for quite a while. There were two major contested elections in our history. And these weren't necessarily contested in the sense that uh, there was an uprising or anything, but it's funny because the peaceful transfer of power happened during a contested election, which is interesting. Uh, 1801, Adams and Jefferson. Adams snuck out of the White House in the middle of the night, and the election was ultimately decided because it was a deadlock, and it was decided by Congress. Adams snuck out and left. They did not get along, Jefferson and Adams, and that happened in 1801, and that is the first transfer, peaceful transfer of power. There's nothing in the Constitution that necessarily says there has to be a peaceful transfer of power. It presupposes it. 
but it doesn't necessarily guarantee it. It suggests it strongly that there should be a peaceful transfer of power. So now that we know a little bit about transfer of power and what it means, we also are going to ask the question, well, what happens if Donald Trump doesn't concede? Does that mean that he has to say, no, I'm not going to leave. I'm still the president. And then we have no choice and America has to follow Donald Trump and a dictator? No. In this video, this gentleman subtly, bluntly at the same time, which is interesting because it's an oxymoron, but he, he pretty much says that concession equals ratification of a decision. Well, that's not true. Now, should Donald Trump concede right now? No, absolutely not. And he's not required to. And he's not required to concede at all. Ask Stacey Abrams from Georgia, who never conceded and still thinks that she was elected and will not shut up and continues to talk in the media. And she is just one of the most annoying people in the world. And I, she, we need to elect her so she can get the gap fixed in her teeth and can drive a truck through it. And I know that's personal. I know it's rude, but I don't like the woman. I don't like people. I don't like socialists. I don't like them. I'm sorry. And I don't. I'm, I'm Reagan in that way is that they are my crux to my kind-spirited usual disposition. Sorry, Stacey Abrams, but you can like land a plane through that thing. It's, it's just like the Lincoln Tunnel. Anyway, so she never conceded. Donald Trump doesn't have to concede. And ultimately, if, if he won't leave, they will remove him. And when the electors come into Congress and elect the new president on January 6th, I believe it is, that new president will be inaugurated. And if there can't be a decision for inauguration, I'll go into that. But ultimately, Donald Trump needs to leave at that point. And we've never had it happen because nobody's thrown a, a hissy fit or a tantrum. But remember this, this is kind of not unproven territory for us. We've seen a lot of this before. So I want you to keep in mind, let's watch the video and I will interject it's about eight minutes, but it's it's good information, and he does a good job. And I'm not going to redo it if he is 80% correct, but I still don't understand how he has 30,000 likes. I'm, I'm really, really frustrated by this. Let's get this started. Let's watch it, and uh, we'll walk through it together. And I promise to explain it all to you. I won't leave you alone. I was going to do a Veterans Day show, but I think this is more important with what's going on, okay? We'll talk about Georgia, too. We'll talk about Arizona. We'll talk about all those things and recounts and what does that mean I got you. I got your back. Let's watch this. Okay, everybody, come back into class now. Get you, get in your seat and get your pencils and your your notebooks and everything. Okay, man, I'm ready to go. I've got my notebook and my pencil. God damn, come on, man. Get some credibility. But first, before we do that, I'm going to read you a little something, something. We'll come back to this guy. This is essentially the 12th Amendment. And recognize in the Constitution that the Constitution would be ratified and it would be a organic living document. Amendments were added and these proposals, these bills, these writs of legislation ultimately would be voted on and then put into an amendment form. This, the, the 12th Amendment explains everything. And if you would like me to recite it to you, I will, but I'm not going to do that right now. But I want you to understand is that everything I'm getting is from the Constitution. I don't go on any other pages because all of it, a lot of it is editorial. I go off the writings of our forefathers. Thank you very much. And this guy pretty much does too, minus a few things. All right, now I'm going to play him. And you're going to have to watch that whole part over again. Okay, get your pencils, everybody. Here we go. Lieutenant Dan keeps poking me in the butt talks, Jenny. Okay, everybody come back into class now. Get, you, get in your seat and get your pencils and your, 
your notebooks and everybody settle down. Come on, all you students of history, you students of the law, settle down. I'm ready to teach you a few things. What happens if President Donald Trump... If I ever come across that condescending, somebody shoot me. And I'm a condescending son of a gun, but at least I, I make it somewhat entertaining. Not concede the election. Mm -hmm. I talked about it in a previous video, but I'm going I'm to cut right to the chase. It's happened two times in history. It happened. This is true. Although there have been several presidential elections that were highly contested from anger and, and resentment and derision. He's absolutely right. There are two. And he will tell you what those are, which we already talked about in 1801 and 1824, which was John Quincy Adams. Just trying to show off a little bit because I should have 30,000 likes too. I'm just saying. In 1800, it's happened in 1824. And if you'll remember, Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden not to concede. You remember that? I do. Before this election, yes. she told him, do not concede. You know why she told him that? I hate to say it, smart woman. She knows the law. But most Americans don't. Most of you watching me don't know it. I didn't know it. But now I do, and knowledge is power. And I promise you, Donald Trump knows what I'm fixing to tell you. So do all of his lawyers. Okay, so here's what happened. I will tell you, we do have one commonality. We both wipe our nose a lot. We have seasonal allergies. And I kind of am starting to relate to this guy. I, I do like him. And he buttons his collar all the way up. I do that too. I kind of, he's growing on me. He's growing on me. And and I'll be honest with you, this guy's actually really freaking wicked smart. He To be able to do this nonstop and not an environment that's quiet in his car and and recite this, most of what he says is correct. The concede portion, the first two minutes is kind of bunk. But really, I joke with the guy. I'd love to meet him. He's, he's a really smart dude. It's real, real simple. The most powerful thing that keeps the peace in the United States of America is not required by law. It's just a custom. And um, it's called a concession speech. No, it's called the transfer of power. But yes, essentially he's saying the right thing. We've been doing it for a long time, but there's no law that requires a concession speech. However, it does aid in the peaceful transfer of power. So normally when a presidential candidate is in a fight for the presidency. It's a powerful position. It's like a throne, a king fighting for his throne. He has supporters. And those supporters are literally ready to fight, if you will, for their guy. Hey, that's just the way it works, folks. It's been that way since the dawn of time. At the moment of the concession speech is when those people that support this guy are pretty much given the green light to simmer down, go back home, it's all over. It's a surrender. It's a white flag of surrender. But it is not required in the Constitution. It's simply a custom. It's a okay, so as of now, everything he has said was pretty accurate, minus he lost me at the Kings and Queens. It's nothing like queens. Basically, you come out of a vagina of someone of your blood, preferably your sister, because it just keeps the bloodline pure. And then you are born and you are labeled and monikered with a Roman numeral of the third or the fourth. And because you have a lineage that goes back supposedly to Charlemagne, you are touched by the hand of thy Lord 
and then rule over peasants and behead them wantingly and tax them into oppression. No, that's not what our government is. I'm sorry. Some watery tot lobbing swords at you is no basis for a democratic system. If you haven't seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, watch it. So dude lost me. Essentially what he's saying is peaceful transfer of power is a recommendation. It is a custom. It is pomp and circumstance, but it is not required in the Constitution. That is correct. The whole rest of it, that there's people with swords and sides and stuff, he's probably using an analogy that those are the voters. Okay, fine. But honestly, don't bring up kings and queens when you're talking about democracy. We we fought the British, so we would never, ever have to talk about that nonsense again. The rest of the video from here is thumbs up. Wonderful custom. Once a president concedes, the battle is over. There's no more legal fighting. There's nothing. Everything after that just sort of happens with a rubber stamp. Then the electors get together. They cast their votes in Washington, D.C. The president is officially elected and the votes are certified. And that certification gives that man the presidency. But more importantly... Okay, so that is correct. And the states will send for certification... There's a couple of things. In December 8th, they will have a safe harbor deadline. And, and basically what that means is in the Electoral College, uh, based in 2000, because of Al Gore versus Bush, um, they allow the states to declare their candidate. And this avoids Congress interference in case they, um, Congress interference of settling any disputes that happen inside that state. So they have an opportunity to do that on December 8th. If they don't, Congress ultimately has to step in and settle that. For instance, say Georgia wasn't going to do a runoff and the state res state representatives and legislatures and the actual form of government in inside Georgia said, we can't make a decision and we're not going to send any of our electors to, to, to base it on that decision. We're going to split those electors or whatever. Ultimately, Congress would come in and, and make a decision. And that was what I was talking about, that they would, um, and I believe that date is December 14th, during the time that the electors would vote. So it's on the second Monday after the second Wednesday in December that the state electors select all the votes in all 50 states they convene. District of Columbia is not included in that because it's not a state, remember. Uh, for the president and vice president, those electors would vote. If there's any discrepancies at that point, ultimately it would be decided by the Congress to settle that dispute. And then it goes into the actual numbers of what it takes for that candidate to be elected. There has to be a certain amount of votes to move forward with that candidate. So that is where the Electoral College is represented. Does everyone understand that? I think you do. Let's keep listening to him because from now on, this guy is, is pretty much dialed in. His concession speech from the opponent is what gives him legitimacy and a transfer without drama. But two times in our history, presidents did not concede the election. Why? Well, not because they were trying to be rambunctious, but just like Al Gore, they knew that something was off and they were not ready to give up a fight with a margin less than 1%. Well, Jefferson and Adams was more of a, they were getting rambunctious. They didn't like each other very much. So let's be completely transparent. Quincy Adams is a completely different story. And Gore and Bush was because Gore was getting absolutely pushed by the DNC and the Democrat fat cats to contest and started making a gripe that George's brother was 
the governor of Florida, I believe is what it was, and that there was impropriety there. So malfeasance. But honestly, it was about voting machines. It really wasn't about man against man or pitting against each other. He's right. It wasn't about rambunctiousness. It, there was a question about the voting machines not reporting correctly. And then in lieu of that, they started talking about the relationship between Bush and his brother, I believe, or it's his brother. It's got to be his brother. Anyway, let's watch this. And all the battleground states. According to the law, Georgia is going to be recounted. We do not have any official result anywhere in the nation. Okay, so he's absolutely right. Remember, there's no official result. Even if somebody's coming in as 100%, it's still not declared. The state has to essentially ratify those findings. And they count those up. They get the 100% in. They go ahead and they ensure that the votes are correct. And then essentially they sign off and with their endorsement that this is who was elected. So he's right. Georgia is a little bit of a different state. Like Nebraska has its, how its electorate is broke up and Maine's electorate is broken up, how they can divide votes between the candidates. That's not what Georgia has. Georgia has a simple thing. In the state of Georgia, you have to get 50% of the state's vote or that election's null and void and has to go to a runoff and be redone again. Hence why the two Senate seats are so important. That's two Senate seats. And one for Republican, two for Republican, two for Democrat are opposing each other. And there will be a separate race again where everyone will vote again. Georgia is recounting right now their ballots. And what does recounting the ballots mean? It means that they have an inspection. They have people with badges who are certified to look at every single vote. And when I say every single vote, it's every single vote. They will check it for authenticity, validation, qualification, that it's authentic, that it's verified. And then if all of those votes become ballots again, and remember a ballot is not a vote. They will look at that and then they will put them in a vote pile, retabulate everything and come up with a number. This is extremely good news and will ultimately happen probably in Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania. And if they try to go ahead and slip North Carolina in there and not give it to them. They'll probably do North Carolina too. And any other of the states that were generally close, which there weren't really many others. Those six states is where we saw the biggest voting discrepancy that did not follow the nation, the swing states. That would make sense since the most money was poured into those states and they both gave it the most attention. But to see that under 1% margin in six states, he's right. That's wonky. Something's rotten in Denmark, okay? That doesn't pass the sniff test at all. Fair enough. Do we understand? Runoff election in Georgia will also happen between Biden and president if this recount proves too close to decide. However, if one of them eclipses 50%, it's over. And that state electoral votes will go to that candidate. Get it? Got it? Good. Pennsylvania is going to be recounted. Arizona is still being counted. Nevada is going to be recounted. We have a total recount coming. Now, after that recount, the president has legal options to go to court to prove irregularity. So let's just say that none of that works and the president still will not concede the election. The Constitution, Article Amendment 12 of the United States Constitution gives you the answer of what will happen. If they cannot rule on it in the court and he does not concede and there's no certification of an 
undisputable majority. Then we go to the House of Representatives. Okay, everything he said there was correct except for the concede part. The Constitution and the government doesn't give a flying two shits about Donald Trump conceding or not. He does not have to say the words, I concede, for that to go through. If the courts can't decide and there is not a superior majority, he's absolutely right, it will then go to this next step. But Donald Trump conceding or not has nothing, nothing in this equation of him saying, Joe Biden won the race, I'm giving up, matters. He can say that and then tomorrow turn around and take it back. Doesn't matter. He is smart not to say it. The gentleman's right, but it certainly doesn't change anything about this situation. When we get to the House of Representatives, there are 475 members of that House. Okay, there's 438, actually. So there's 100 senators, 438 state legislatures. So I'm not sure where he's getting that, but that's okay. The election is null and void at that point. It's like it never happened. The numbers do not matter any longer. This has happened twice in history. I got a feeling it's fixing to happen again. At that moment, the election becomes obsolete, and now the president will be elected by the Congress, the House of Representatives. Now, immediately, that, that strikes fear in the heart of a conservative because guess who controls the House? The Democrats. But not so fast. The Constitution. Yeah, not so fast because that's not the way it works. Um, Okay, this is where I've got to read to you because I want to get it word for word. So ultimately, on January 6th, a vote count will be finalized at the results that are certified. I'm not reading this, but the results will be certified on January 6th. If that is contested and those results are not certified, the House will have to vote. And what it says is, and this is a precursor to this. This is an after effect. It says that the Speaker of the House of Representatives, the Senate president or cabinet officer in that order would act as president until there's a president or vice president. So that is... If, if this becomes contested in legal battle and those votes don't take place, the ones that we were just alluding to on the 14th and the 6th, the, excuse me, the process and the votes, then ultimately what happens is that it, it goes into a deadlock and both of them go into a timeout and Nancy Pelosi would take over since she is the speaker, unless they remove her as speaker, which gosh, hope they would. But listen to this. What he's talking about is the arrangement of states and how they are allocated. And it, this is very complex. But let me just explain it to you. The arrangement favors Republicans. So I preface and took some notes here. The GOP has dominated the House of Delegation of 26 states since 2018. Exactly the number required to reach a majority under the rules of House presidential election. And majority is defined as 50 plus 1, or in this case, 25 plus 1. 50 states, cut it in half, 25 plus one, you get 26. That's a majority. Get me? Got me? Good. It's not the current house that would decide a contested 2020 election, though. It's the upcoming house. And as you know, we gained congressional seats in the upcoming house. But so did the Democrats. This newly elected house and many November 3rd congressional races remain undecided. So far, though, Republicans have retained control of the 26 congressional delegations they currently hold, and Democrats have lost control of two states, Minnesota and Iowa. So although he is right, it doesn't go to how many House, 438 House of Representatives, 
And then you go ahead and you, as long as you have plus one divided by that 438, it's those congressional seats and those congressional votes that each state has. And that number, uh, ooh, geez, I didn't think I was going to have to answer that, is currently 7,383 total legislative seats throughout the states. But that's not the way that works. You don't divide that either. It comes down to this. There are a certain amount of votes that each state gets. And those electoral votes, based upon that number I just told you, that 26, is in Republicans' favor at this time. So remember, here it is. The GOP has dominated the House delegation of 26 states since 2018, exactly the number required to reach a majority under the House rules. But it's not the current House that would decide a contested 2020. It's the newly elected House. And um, many November 3rd congressional races remain undecided. So far, though, Republicans have retained control of the 26 congressional delegations they currently hold. And Democrats have lost control of two states, Minnesota and Iowa. So ultimately what that means is that out of those 50 states, each state has one meaningful vote, period. That's the simplest way to say it. You need 26 to win. Right now, Republicans are holding more of those congressional votes and those seats than the Democrats, plus two. Now, that might change with the voting. There might be some other elections out there that are going to sway it one way or another. But right now, it looks pretty good for Republicans. So what he says next is essentially correct, even though the numbers are off. And goes on to say in that article that each state in the Congress gets one vote, not each representative. Each state gets one vote for the president. Well, there are 50 states in the House. Of those 50, 37 are Republicans. At that moment, a Republican Congress will officially, constitutionally vote in the next president. Why do you think Donald Trump has not conceded? He knows these things that I'm telling you. He understands that there was illegitimate votes cast. He understands that votes are still going on. Now, he may get tired of the fight. I don't know. I don't think he is, though. But he does have a constitutional remedy to his dilemma. This is going to be interesting to watch. But remember, Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden, do not concede no matter what. Now, why did she tell him that? Because she knows. Okay, so hold on. So I want to clarify one thing that there are actually 438 representatives, but two, three of those are non-voting. Two are the, uh, the, the district of Columbia, which is DC. And then there's always, there's one non-voting member. Okay. So you always, you don't want to end it in an even number. That's why. So 435 is the actual number. I stand corrected on that. And I can't remember what he said. I thought he said 475 and that's probably a slip, man. The guy is, he's doing really well. I got to give him credit. We all make mistakes, but Right. Even, even then I said 438, it's 435. Cause like I said, two of them are district of Columbia, which do not get a vote because it's not a state. And then that would mean we would have 51 states and then one vote to break the tie. Cause you don't want to end an even number. Here we go. What I'm telling you. And so Joe Biden has won a few battleground states with less than 1%. Those are automatic recounts. We will not have a winner 
till we have a certification. If we can't get a certification that's not contested in the courts, it will go to the House of Representatives just before Inauguration Day. Now you might know why the Panther is getting real quiet in the background, waiting for the attack. I'm not saying that's how it's going to go, but the Constitution foresaw this. The Constitution made a way for an illegitimate election to be overturned in the House of Representatives. So class is dismissed. All right, so I have no idea what the Panther thing was. So he lost me at the beginning, lost me at the end, but overall, uh, I will give the man credit. He knows he knows what he's talking about, minus a few things that I disagree with. But that doesn't mean anything. Be clear. Is that what my interpretation is? I'm not a I'm not a constitutional scholar just because I slept at a Holiday Inn Express, okay? But I will tell you, based upon my understanding of the Constitution over years and years of studying, he, he's pretty correct in what he's trying to say. And that's how it goes. So Georgia will be a recount. Anything that's minus one, uh, under 1% of the overall vote gets a recount. And these recounts are extremely thorough. Everyone's like, okay, we want to check double ballots. We want to check dead ballots. We want to check unverified ballots. We want to check to make sure the votes are legal. Signature. They were issued to the right person. There weren't multiple issued to the same person. Those people aren't dead. You're about to get that. And that is what I've been screaming for for the last three weeks that we've been talking is get rid of the conspiracy theory, scratch it, blow it up, throw it away. And this is where the rubber is going to meet the road. I don't care around how many affidavits there are. I don't care how many complaints there are. Ultimately, it comes down. Are the votes valid? If they are, the ballots are valid. If the ballot ballots are valid, Donald Trump is out, period. If they aren't, and we know that there is a ton of irregularities in mail-in ballots, which is why we stop that process from even manual ballots. Remember, we would go in and punch and kachunk the machine? Horrible errors there. And if you don't get everything right and you don't do the steps to ensure that this ballot is proper, it doesn't get counted as a vote. It gets thrown in the trash. So this is the process. This is what will happen. Tonight, we'll talk about it live. But there really is no question that right now, two major wins happen for Donald Trump. One is that the governor, or excuse me, secretary of state of uh, Georgia said, we're doing a full recount. Perfect. So there's number one. That's a huge in the plus column because we want to see these mail-in ballots. Number two, the fact that they have other states that are extremely narrow, that is also good news. And the fact that Arizona is still counting means they're waiting on probably the military ballots to come in and anything else on top of that that was missed. All of that is good news. The closer Donald Trump can squeeze and get closer to these these numbers and these deficits, the better it is for him because the less he will need to overturn. So that is what you do with a recount. It's not a revote yet. If they find, once again, 50% goes to one candidate in Georgia and that the ballots are valid, which is a big if, that person will get the electoral votes and essentially the election is over based upon the other states. But if they're going to recount Michigan, if they're going to recount Wisconsin, if they're going to recount Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, and maybe North Carolina, because Biden has every right to ask for that too, we're going to be here a while. Get a Snickers bar. Get a Snickers bar. 
Anyway, definitely interesting. I hope you enjoyed it tonight. I hope that explains some things. I am going to go live shortly after this. I'm going to go do a quick workout, and then I can't wait to see you and talk to you. Remember, my name is Matt, and uh, if you wouldn't mind giving me a like, a subscribe, and a share, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps grow the channel, and you guys have been doing a wonderful job of that so far. And the last thing I want to talk about is the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. So very, very important. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And due to PTS, post-traumatic stress, I do not call it PTSD. It's not something you were born with. It's something that you experience. TBIs, traumatic brain injuries also play a huge role in uh, veterans committing suicide. Please reach out to a vet. Please ask if they're okay. Everyone knows a vet. Just check in with them and see if they're doing okay. It takes one message, one phone call, one knock on the door to make sure that they are taken care of. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you. I'm excited to see you tomorrow. And uh, you just keep having the faith. A lot of good things are happening. It's This is the election. It's going to take some time. Breathe it on out. Stop believing all the conspiracy theories. And don't unfriend me. And go friend somebody who you've blocked. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.